is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I am joined by my two trusty co-hosts, as always, Jake Woolhead and Fionn Malloy. And lads, we have a slightly better themed or slightly happier themed show this week because our teams went three for three. Last week, zero for three. This week, three for three. Just shows how just shows the, the roller coaster that is following an NFL team. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I didn't expect to get a single win this season, so getting uh, <laughs> one on the board and then having uh, seven in a row that are notoriously difficult should be very fun for me. But I'll take one win out of uh, 17 games. Yeah, I'm uh, probably in in Jake's slightly pessimistic boat. The Washington football team won. We didn't look particularly great doing it. There's some <laughs> there's some issues there that needed to be sorted out. So a little bit bittersweet, but yes, the roller coaster of the regular season of the NFL is in full effect up one week down the other. So let's see what happens now next week as we plow on through these games. Yes, it was a it was a good weekend for the NFC East sides. If as long as you're not a Philadelphia fan, um, it was a good <laughs> weekend. Is. <laughs> it was a good weekend for Seahawks fans and um, despite you know the first half uh five straight uh three and outs by the offense to start was not great and then San Francisco going up and down the field as, as they might uh in the first half as well didn't really help matters either but the fact that he kept the seven to zero just was a blessing um, I don't know if you saw the stat that we we put out. I think it was um, in the first quarter alone, and the uh, 49ers had 167 yards of offense. The Seahawks had minus three. <laughs> That's how bad it got in the first quarter. Um, and uh, we thought it was going to be another Vikings game. But thankfully, they turned it around. Um, Russ did Russ things, you know, escaping sacks that he should have been uh, put into the turf for. Um, and the Seahawks broke their third quarter uh, scoring voodoo by uh, getting two touchdowns in the third quarter to help them beat the 49ers in a crucial NFC West divisional game. And they will, of course, be playing again this Thursday night in another NFC West game against the Los Angeles Rams, which uh, we will have a preview for on Thursday night. Uh, we will have some very special guests coming up for that to talk on the Rams side of things. We're going to be speaking to uh, Cameron De Silva from uh, the Rams Wire. We're also going to be speaking to Rich Hammond from the Athletic as well. And then to help us preview the Seahawks side of things, we will also be speaking to Michael Sean Duger, who is right for the Athletic covering the Seahawks too. So definitely a show not to miss this Thursday, previewing the big Thursday night football ball game but as for tonight we're going to be looking at week four and what it was and of course lads as you well know at this stage we are going to bring in the big wheel of topics and uh Fionn actually before we get into the wheel uh I want you because um, this was your idea so I'm going to let you uh, let you talk about it you had a uh, hashtag to use for uh if anyone wanted to add 
a topic to the big wheel of topics. Yes, absolutely. We were talking about this as a show off air and we thought it'd be a good idea to get a little bit more fan involvement and we want you guys to be able to pitch your ideas and we're going to use Twitter to do it. So, of course, we have the Wheel of Topics that is now a regular on this show every week. The acronym for the Wheel of Topics is WOT. So we thought we would use the hashtag YouWhatMate with a question mark on the end. And if you tag your questions or your scenarios from that week's games that you'd like to see up on the big Wheel of Topics, use hashtag YouWhatMate question mark and we'll stick it up there and we could be talking about what you want us to talk about. Exactly. And to do, and if you aren't following us on Twitter, make sure you are. It's at Undercenter Pod. That's where you can send it to us. If you don't have Twitter and you still want to send us a topic that you'd like us to possibly discuss on an upcoming show, uh, you can do it through Instagram as well. Just go to at Undercenter Pod on Instagram too, so you can follow us there as well. Alternatively, if you don't have any of them and you still want to send us a topic, you send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Prob- probably well. we're pointing out there as well just in case anyone has a sense of humor we will be vetting the hashtag you what mate it won't be automatically going straight on the big wheel so uh keep it <laughs> keep it clean keep it reasonable and we'll put Damn. it up there but yeah i know that's the first thing that popped into jake's head like algorithm go straight on the wheel definitely putting in crazy stuff but yeah we will be vetting it before it goes up so jake's burner account asking the question <laughs> why are you guys so sexy though <laughs> there will be a lot of daniel jones hall of fame on the wheel <laughs> but let's not waste any more time let's get into the big wheel of topics and let's uh let's see what are we going to be speaking about this week so let's just get the wheel oh there it is in all of its glory so as you can see some of the topics that we could be speaking about this week Jetting their way to victory, talking about the New York Jets and their first win of the season. We could be talking about Saquon's giant comeback. Saquon Barkley scoring two touchdowns in their comeback win against the Saints. Kyler Rams McVay, the big surprising win for the Cardinals against the Rams. Let's talk, maybe talk about Urban Meyer's dancing skills, possibly. <laughs> Not particularly about football, but... You know, the, the comedy circus uh, that is the Urban Meyer reign at Jacksonville um, I was added to this weekend, and I'm sure it's something that we'll have to speak about. The Steelers' big problem, talking about maybe Big Ben, and, you know, what are the Steelers going to do to sort of save their season? The prodigal son returns. Tom Brady, of course, was back at Foxborough for the Sunday Night Football, uh, beating his former coach Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots in uh, of course uh, what else we got Pack is back on track talking about of course Green Bay Packers in their win against the Steelers on Sunday uh, and then McKissick of debt um, I'd like to think that was, that was my one there that I made up I'm very proud of that <laughs> talking about Washington's win over the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday evening but let's uh, let's spin the wheel guys and let's see what are we going to be talking about first so it goes around and it goes around and oh there we go the first topic is talking about the first win for robert sala and zach wilson jetting their way to victory because the new york jets beat the tennessee titans by 27 points to 24 on sunday afternoon uh, in overtime to get their first win of the season first win for head coach robert sala First win for rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. Uh, guys, what did you think of the game? 
said, one of the two games I like really focused on this weekend, aside from having red zone on, was the Jets and the Giants. Obviously, the Giants for obvious reasons, but the Jets, uh, I was surprised to see that get that far. Now, obviously, the, the Titans were without um, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, so of course that's gonna gonna affect it a little bit. But um, I don't know. I was certainly impressed by Zach Wilson and and the the Jets defense certainly looked very aggressive and and were hitting a lot of players quite hard as well. So. Um, and then I, th- I was just kind of confused at why the Titans came away from Derrick Henry late in the game. I just that didn't make a lot of sense to me. He's, he's the guy that you should count on, like he's the big running back you have. I don't know why they had the other running back in there, so I don't know. Yeah, I have to echo Jake's sentiment there. I think Wilson did pretty well because he didn't have much of a run game in behind him, he had to do a lot of it himself. Uh, and in fairness, the Jets were pretty much in this game the entire time i think that the titans may have beat themselves a little bit that kick wasn't brilliant at the end of the at the end of the game they were definitely got themselves within striking distance really fast in that overtime and then stalled out and had to go for the kick which obviously missed and gave the jets a, a big win i think that'll be huge i don't think it'll mean it'll mean a lot to robert sala obviously on a personal level i don't think it'll mean much for his job in the sense that i don't think he necessarily had to get a win this season to, to stay in his job. I do think they'll be patient with him and giving him a few years just to get everything settled there in the Jets. So I think definitely a feel-good week. They'll try and carry this momentum going as much as they can. Uh, I have to say I didn't see as much of the game as Jake did, so I don't necessarily have a lot of pointers. But if they're playing aggressive on defense, I think that's one thing they need to watch just a little bit because teams will be able to burn them if they put too much of that on tape. I think that's one thing that we saw, um, especially on Sunday, was the defense from the Jets and the pass rush, especially getting to Ryan Tannehill multiple times, which obviously helped them uh, win this game. Like Zach Wilson, he didn't have the greatest of first halves, mm-hmm. um, but whatever what was done in the halftime adjustments worked. You know, a total of 297 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Great for him, great for Salah, and great for this young team in general to get that win, especially against a team like the Titans who won their division last year. Um, so that they can, it, it is such a great uh, confidence booster for the team, and they will definitely take this going forward. Now, we're not exactly saying that they're going to go on and go on a winning streak now for the rest of the season. I think we all sort of assume that they would win a couple of games this year. But we probably thought maybe it would have been against lesser opposition, maybe not a team of the caliber of the Titans. But like you mentioned, Jake, the, the loss of AJ Brown and Julio Jones for this game really did hurt the Titans in this. Mostly because we saw who do who we they have after it, and it's not great. You got Josh Reynolds, you got Chester Rogers, and stuff. These names are not really household names, they're not really. Uh, names that are going to sort of take your team forward if there are days like this where the the guys are struggling to be fit. Derrick Henry was sort of, yeah, I, I, they used uh, McNichols, the, the secondary running back, a lot in this game too, which was interesting. Maybe the, all the load management of Henry in the first three weeks was maybe weighing on him a little bit and they needed to be sort of careful with him. Um, I know especially with, Last season, I, I think it was that there was a the the MetLife turf came into a lot of criticism because there was a lot of injury stemming from it. I think the 49ers game was especially one where I think there was two ACLs done in, in the one game too. So but, but what do we think of the Titans now after this? They are two and two. They've had they had the really bad blowout win against 
or blowout loss, I should say, against the Cardinals. They go to uh, Seattle and beat the Seahawks in overtime. They then had a a win against the, the, their rivals, the Colts, in a, I would say, if a non-eventful game. The Colts really just didn't turn up that week. And now they've lost to, to a, a Jets side that were all in three. Like, are we sort of... Are we a little worried for the Titans? Yeah, I wouldn't be super confident on them. Like, I, I think me and Fiona are agreement on this one. We're not huge Ryan Tannehill fans. So, although he did play a bit of good ball and say third downs in that Jets game, I'm still not kind of entirely sold on, on him and that he more relies on Derrick Henry to get the defenders coming up to the line. And then he has an open up at the back, which is obviously going to affect you when you have you're missing top two wide receivers. So we at least know their depth behind them two isn't as good as it should be. Um, but I, I, I just, yeah, if I was a Titans fan, I'm thinking, are we getting to, to the playoffs? Like you might get there, but you're probably going to be one and done, I'd say. Yeah, I agree with Jake on this one. It's it's going to be enough quality on that roster probably to, to scrape into a playoffs. I definitely am a little bit disappointed. I expect them to be a little bit more of a juggernaut, especially on Derrick Henry. But I guess... The league at some point had to figure him out and slow him down a little bit. Granted, this game isn't necessarily one of them. He had 157. Oh, it did have an overtime, but that was more than double of what the Jets had as a team for the entire game. So he's still pretty impressive on the ground. But yeah, I think it's going to be one of those up and down seasons. They don't have that cohesion or that aura around them that probably the books have this season and that we've seen around them before last season. They were kind of shocked a little bit when Baltimore beat them last season. So for me, I think it's it's going to be an up and down season if you're a Titans fan. You're going to win some games. You definitely have the talent. The amount of time that the two top wide receivers are going to be out injured is going to tell a lot about how far they get this season. And again, they still, like I mentioned, they have enough talent that it, they could hit a hot streak. I'm not so down on them that if they do get into the playoffs, they couldn't do some damage. They're set up to damage a lot of teams that don't have to face a team like them very often. And that's where they can make some runs, but they're also going to struggle as well. On like we saw on days where Derrick Henry just isn't getting it done into the level that you need him to, you and you're out a couple of star wide receivers, it's going to hurt any team, and especially when you're relying on that one kind of dynamic of that play action pass for the for the big chunk plays. That's really going to hurt your offense, and I think we saw it again this week. Yeah, one final point before we move on. With the wins at the weekend, there is only one quarterback left in this year's draft class that have not won a game yet in the season, and that's the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I guess, you, well, if you want to be specific, Trey Lance hasn't really won one yet because he hasn't played a majority of snaps. Um, he Obviously, he got the sec the whole of the second half on Sunday and lost, but um, I guess he, could, he, he took part in a winning in a winning team. Um, so Trevor Lawrence is still waiting on his first win. And after what's been going on in, in Jacksonville, it could be waiting a bit of a while before he gets a win, but we'll move on. We'll get back to the big wheel of topics and let's see what are we going to be speaking about next? Let's spin that wheel giants. Is it going to be giants? Jake's hoping for giants. Is it going to be giants? No, it's not. It's McKissick of death. Uh, so, J.D. McKissick scores a late touchdown to help the Washington football team beat the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. 
by 34 points to 30. Uh, Fionn, I'll start with you. What did you make of the game? Well, we'll start on the positives. I think Taylor Heineke has proved that he's a pretty good backup quarterback. I don't think anyone would want him as their starter, but as far as backups go, there's not a lot of teams that could be as happy with their backup as I think Washington are. I think he's doing a, a very reasonable job. He had a particularly good game last week, uh, bouncing back from his tough week the week before where he made too many decisions and the coaching staff and himself admitted in interviews that he pushed the ball a little bit too much. He was calm, he was measured, and he he put together some brilliant drives during that game. The offense looked much better than it did the week before. They were making catches we were taking shots and and scoring on them. The big the big problem is the defense, and that has been really bad. I think I don't put so much blame on Chase Young as a lot of other uh, commentators do and and analysts do. Uh, for a start, I think he's facing a lot of pressure on the offensive line. He's getting a lot of focus. We're seeing that because Montez Sweat is is playing particularly well this year I've I've felt and has grown from l- last year a lot of pl- a lot of people are down on him but I quite like them I liked him last year and I think he's doing well this year but that's got to be a benefit of having Chase Young on the other side he has been criticized about maybe not going to his second move after his first move fails that reset and attack again but again you have to remember he is he is a young player he is still learning he will get better he played at a very high level in college, but he's not playing against those same offensive linemen anymore. So we do have to give him a little bit of time just to adapt his game. The tackling. The tackling really stood out to me as the big problem. There was a couple of plays where they were, should have been dead to rights and they broke through three, four, five tackles, I believe, for that touchdown. The, I believe the last touchdown Cordero Patterson had uh, for the Falcons, he broke three or four tackles on a short pass that was read well by the defense and should have gone nowhere. So that for me is the big disappointing thing. I'll be interested to see how uh, Jake analyzes the football team and probably wishes uh, they got that win in the first game, because I don't know we'd be so confident going into that return game against the Giants. Are you saying that the football team aren't going to be confident going against the Giants again? Uh, I think we will because we beat you in the first game. But I think uh, if we'd have lost the first game, we would not be looking forward to the second game, I have to say. Yeah, my, I mean, like, of all people that are uh, experts and miss tackles, the Giants are a fan of Giants football, will be aware of the Taysom Hill touchdown. So I can attest <laughs> to some really bad uh, tackling that had gone on in uh, some of our games and stuff. But yeah, if I'm watching a football team, I'm really wishing I had a quarterback right now because if that if that offense can stay on the field and score some more points, even though they scored a few points, but having a better quarterback at the helm will certainly give the defense time to rest, take some pressure off them, and if you can rely on your offense, then your defense can step up a lot easier. But um, with, say, Chase Young, yeah, obviously he's not playing up to expectations. Maybe a little bit of regression on the defensive line, uh, defense as a whole. But again, it's probably nothing really to worry about as such. As you said, Fionn, it's still early days. He's still quite young. If he's getting double teams, that means somebody else is getting single teamed. And as you mentioned, it's probably Montez Sweat. So if he's cleaning up, you're doing quite well. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of your, your cornerback situation, though. It's, is it, uh... I think it really strikes me that it seems to be a scheme problem more than a personnel problem. We just seem to be playing very softly. And, and I don't know enough to put my finger and say... This is the problem. Two, three years ago, the problem was we weren't getting any pressure up front. We weren't 
had didn't have any blitz packages and we seem to be super spread out on the defensive line. The defensive line now is a lot better. We're playing tough against the run. But the, the passing game, not once did I feel like Matt Ryan was really struggling to know where the ball was going within a second after the snap. Any any issues were, were closed up well. They were good plays by the defense. But scheme-wise, Matt Ryan knew what was happening from the very start of the game and didn't look like he was under pressure. I think we only got one sack in the game. And that was on a four-man front. Uh, and we did manage to get to him. And that is what we're hoping for, I think. But we haven't adjusted that scheme for the lack of penetration that we've been getting. And the really good quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan is one. Okay, the team isn't good, but he's been around the block. He's played in the Super Bowl. He can he can pick you apart if he knows what he's facing. And that seems to be the big problem that we're facing at the moment. Yeah, and obviously we have that kind of mirroring between the Giants playing the Falcons and and you now the football team playing the Falcons and seeing how they both kind of compare. The Giants couldn't get any any points in a against a team that I think put up eighty points or let let eighty points be put up with them in the first two weeks. So um, it wasn't great for the Giants on them um, on defense for that, but. The Falcons seem to be able to just move the ball at will at the football team against football team. It obviously helps having somebody like Corderell Patterson, who's so elusive. I don't know how they're using him. Nobody in, in eight years figured out how to use Corderell Patterson. But all of a sudden he goes on to the Falcons and he's a superstar. Like, it's crazy. I know, I agree. He's he's had a very, very good start to the season and it hasn't helped me because I've had Mike Davis and my fancy team and He's uh, taking reps away from Mike Davis, which isn't <laughs> isn't great either. But but Fiona, I want to ask you this question because you you mentioned that the Heineke ha- had a better game this week and he struggled in some other games. Do you think if uh, Fitzpatrick was still fit, that the record would still be the same? Yes, but I don't think the impression would be the same. I don't think the feeling or the atmosphere. On the fan side, I'm sure the atmosphere in the in the dressing room is strong. But on the fan side, for instance, the win we got this week, I would hope that, like Jake already said, with Fitzpatrick at, at quarterback, it just feels stronger, feels more impressive. And I think most of that is down to the fact that the offense has been doing well, a lot better than it has in previous seasons. We can run the ball so far. The offensive line look strong we are getting time we are making good decisions and the quad and the wide receivers a bigger pardon are catching the ball something we struggled with the last couple of seasons is putting points on the board and especially in the red zone we never looked like we knew what we were doing and now we do so while i don't suggest for any moment that heineke has done enough to maintain his position as the starter or to wrestle away the position of the starter from fitzpatrick and i do believe fitzpatrick would make a difference in a quarterback just to the overall tone of how the games go i don't think the problem is in general on the offense like we mentioned it's it's definitely on the defense at the moment and it's it's an attitude adjustment i think for starters of just figuring out a way of going look this this might be how we want to play but these are the personnel we have this is how the offense on the other side is playing against us and we need to adapt our game to that and i feel like at the moment we haven't done that and uh here here's a question that uh just came to me there that I think would might be interesting with the Falcons issues. Um, and we spoke about it. And me and Jake, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago uh, with the issues around Matt Ryan um, and the fact that they kept him on the team and didn't 
get rid of him in the offseason and go for one of these rookie QBs instead of going for, for Kyle Pitts, who has struggled uh, at the start anyway. Uh, still hasn't scored a touchdown, I don't think, yet this season. If he was put on the trade block, would you try and acquire Matt Ryan? No, because I think Matt Ryan is essentially Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's too old in the tooth. He can't build long-term around him. Is he a good quarterback? Yeah, I, I, I would consider I'd be as happy if we signed him over Fitzpatrick. He plays a little bit differently to Fitzpatrick, but at the end of the day, he's shown he knows how to run an offense. I'm okay with a game manager. Our big problem was no substance at quarterback the last few years and not knowing or not being sure that we were going to hit open guys or even vaguely difficult throws. Now with Fitzpatrick or Heineke or Ryan at the at the uh, at the quarterback position, I feel like you would you would have that reassurance, but he doesn't add any put you over the top, push you into the playoffs and make a run stardom, which is what you're hoping when you when you take a chance on a young guy. So I still think the the benefits would not be worth it, especially after another year. I'm not sure how much longer he plays American football. So that would be my big issue. I think with like a quarterback like Matt Ryan, I think he's a step up, say, from your Ryan Fitzpatrick. But again, it's it's kind of what would you have to pay to get Matt Ryan? It's not going to be a whole lot, I imagine. But you don't really want to like take a chance uh, losing a, a quarterback or say whatever you pick. I don't know, a third round pick or something for Matt Ryan. I don't know at this stage, but uh, you're not. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's what I'm yeah. saying. But you don't want to like you're probably better off with a special teamer than Matt Ryan for yeah. one year. Like you're not gonna get to the Super Bowl, with Matt Ryan, unless yeah, you can still get your rookie quarterback behind him, sit behind Matt Ryan, who's who's played a lot of football. He's probably good at teaching. So yeah. having somebody sit behind him is probably good. We we say that, but and we say it every year in every scenario. Like just draft your quarterback. If you have a good one, let him sit back there and learn and be coached. That hasn't worked since Aaron Rodgers. All of the quarterbacks that we've seen, okay, some of them both. Well, it worked with Pat Mahomes. Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Did it, or did they just not give him a chance to break out? I mean, no, for they instance, purposely. Would you have said? Would you have said it worked for, for Herbert? That... Would it have Sorry? worked for Herbert if Herbert played this year versus being mm-hmm. thrown in last year and looks as good as he does? Is it because he sat, or just because he didn't get played? And that's I what I'm wondering. I'm not last year, nonetheless. I, I don't think Tyrod has the capabilities of keeping the starting job for a whole season for a team like an aspirations like the Chargers. I think he would have played you anyway last year. I think, I think it just it just brought it forward by a couple of weeks. What happened, obviously, with the with the injury. My point being, I'm I think we overestimate how much coaching a veteran quarterback ahead of your new rookie actually gives to the rookie. I, I really believe if they're going to flop, they'll still flop after that year. He's not he's not getting them over that hurdle from mediocre to star them. So, yeah. Yes, it worked yeah. out for the Chiefs. They got a good year out of them. Smith moved on and then played Mahomes. But I don't think Smith made Mahomes the player that he is. And I just think yeah. it's kind of a waste of time. You either draft the guy you think is going to be good enough or you don't. Uh, if you happen to have that quarterback, in other words, I wouldn't be saying go and get Ryan next year, knowing that you have him for two years and deliberately having him there to help along a rookie. No, you, you draft. If you need to draft a rookie quarterback like that, you're already in trouble. You should be drafting a rookie quarterback you think can play. 
But I wouldn't I, think that getting... Sorry, Jake, just just quickly on that. I, I, the reasoning behind getting Matt Ryan would be he would be there for maybe another two years. And like I, I, this is me just guessing, but my guess is, especially with the type of injury that he has, that I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing football again. I think he's going to retire. And the reason why he hasn't announced it is because then they can just cancel the contract and he won't get paid. But there is... We, we haven't talked about it much, but the, the draft class this coming year is not great with quarterbacks. So getting Matt Ryan for two years can help you at least have someone there for two years until a good class, a good draft class comes up, whether that be ne- the, the following year or the year after. I just think for me, it's, I, I keep Heineke over Ryan, not because I think Heineke is a better quarterback. I just think he's cheaper. If you're just literally waiting around and you're going to throw away next year, which is essentially what you'd be arguing if there's no good quarterbacks, you're going to throw it away anyway. Keep the cheap guy. Let him play. Maybe he gets better and better and better and he makes a passable starter and then he can take one at your leisure in the later rounds. Yeah, I'm agree with there with that. I just think like Ryan's not going to get you that far. You might as well keep Heineke at that stage. Like he's not gonna even if he gets he's probably good enough to get your eight or nine wins at a time. So if it's a good quarterback class, you're still gonna wanna have to be picking around top five to get one of the top guys. So you're probably gonna have to sell the house then to get your top guy anyway. So at that point, you may as well just keep Heineke and just hope for the best. But on Fionn's point there, I'm in agree. I, I like I think rookie quarterbacks just throw them in and let them take their lumps. Like, I mean, that's how it is. You can't just learn by sitting on the bench, but I think like what worked for the the Chiefs was that they had Alex Smith, who was they were already in a playoff scenario. So like they weren't in any rush to be starting Patrick Mahomes. They didn't have fans and and coaches clamoring to get the rookie into position because they were getting to the playoffs anyway. Look at the mess in the in Chicago at the moment with with Nagy and the way the fans are treating him and saying should Fields go in and Fields has played well, but he's also not played well in certain spells as well. So. It's not a clear cut. And so at that point, they're saying, is Andy Dalton really helping Fields out? Either Fields is going to make this the franchise quarterback that he is, or he won't. And I don't believe Andy Dalton's presence or the other fellow whose name escapes me right now, uh, Nick Foles. Foles. I don't think he's going to help Fields get better either. So we'll see how that all plays out. Okay. And finally, before we move on, Logan Thomas went out early with an injury. Uh, What's the prognosis on him? Is he okay? Uh, I actually haven't seen anything about that. I am a little bit nervous. We have seen that our backup tight ends do not have any hands. Seals, Seals Jones, Seals is that Jones. his name? Yeah, yeah, he struggled a little bit. Uh, Sammy Reyes is allegedly going to get some snaps next week, so that would suggest to me that they are not expecting Logan Thomas back, at least for one more week. But uh, keep an eye on the Twitter. I'll, I'll do some digging and I'll put up, put up a response for any Washington fans we have following us. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So let's move on then. And um, we probably have enough time maybe for one more uh, topic and then I'll do a dealer's choice if it's not the topic that I uh, want to <laughs> spin because there's certain things I want to talk about and I'm sure um, there is one. So let's see. Jake, are we getting Saquon? Let's find out. Let's spin that wheel one more time. Oh, no. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. <sighs> Oh, we got, we got another good one now. We got another oh, good one. My, Myers dancing skills. To be fair, this was going to be my dealer's choice as well. Yeah, so. I, I knew we it was. Once you mentioned it, I knew that's <laughs> what we were going for. 
<laughs> we have to talk about it. We can't not know at this stage. But let's go on. Let's let's talk about it. Urban Meyer was caught on two videos, not just one. Um playing a little way from home after staying back in Ohio after getting beaten uh, on the Thursday night football by the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, the Jaguars are now 0-4. Um, but interesting thing is he did not travel back with his team. Like I said, he stayed back. And he now his account is he went out with his grandkids for a meal. These people saw who he were, wanted to take pictures, and it led to him dancing with someone who wasn't his wife. And then in the second video, doing things to her that who's not his wife. Now, my biggest thing from this is, right, that he went out and he went out with his grandkids and his grandkids go saw him go with someone who wasn't his wife. So the grandkids don't say, I, I don't know. My guess the... is they probably all went home. That was a late. Yeah, it's I his probably... it's his restaurant. I don't know if you yeah. saw that. It's his yeah, restaurant in Ohio. He owns the he owns the gaff. So uh, yeah. I would suggest that he probably stayed on late when the guys asked for pictures and his family kind of trickled home. And that's why he got himself into problems. But well, I think he should be fired. He clearly he was watching have... the Robert De Niro film, Dirty Grandpa, <laughs> on the way. <laughs> to Ohio and the, he got some ideas but before we actually get into what we think should happen with Urban Meyer I saw this trend okay there's two different trends that I want to read out very quickly guys and I get your opinion of it so first of all this is the trend of everything that Urban Meyer has done while in Jacksonville uh, with the Jaguars first of all he hired Chris Doyle as the team's director of sports performance. Doyle was accused of making racist comments and belittling players during his time at Iowa at the heavy backlash Doyle, Doyle resigned from the Jaguars instead of actually Urban Meyer firing him. He, of course, signed Tim Tebow as a tight end. No more needs to be said of that. He drafted a running back in the first round, despite having James Robinson on the roster already, who had a fantastic 29, uh, 2020 season, I should say. Uh, he openly admitted that he was hoping to draft Kadavius Tony uh, with the pick instead of getting Travis Etienne. He told reporters that he cut players due to their vaccination status. The uh, NFL Players Association opened an investigation to those comments. He had an open competition for the starting QB job between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Minshew, of course, was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, but he did split valuable first-team reps between the two, which caused Lawrence maybe to not get as many reps as he would have liked. Traded away last year's number nine overall pick, which, of course, is C.J. Henderson, to the Panthers for a tight end. Um, the team, of course, is for uh, zero and four. Of course, didn't travel home with the team after the week four loss to Cincinnati. And, of course, those viral videos emerged of what he was doing at his um, press conference. And then there was a, a statement today from the Jaguars um, that said, uh, the Jaguars owners, I should say, um, said he can, that says trust must be regained uh, between him and uh, and the rest of the team. So, guys, this is a bit of, uh, for want of a better word, clusterfuck. Yeah, this is a nightmare. I mean, 
he hasn't had a lot of uh, good press for a head coach to be just into the NFL. We all know he had a, a past in his, his college career, so it's not exactly surprising coming into the NFL with a bit more uh, drama to be followed with. Um, he obviously doesn't look good at the minute. Um, I think the quarterback battle may be a bit overblown. I think it was always going to Lawrence, but you're right. He gave away some really good chances for, for Lawrence to learn some extra stuff, but... Um, this new video, I don't know. This whole thing. Fionn, you said he owns the place. I imagine there's some sort of VIP room in the place if he wanted the privacy, but uh, he didn't seem like he cared all that much. And uh, I'm sure whoever recorded that video has uh, has gotten paid from maybe a couple of uh, news magazines over there. Mm-hmm. He should be fired. I think it's plain and simple. I think the only reason he's not fired is because mid-season... They obviously don't have an interim that they want to put in place, and you're not going to poach anyone at the season in mid-season. One of the offense coordinators or anyone else you might have had your eye on while you were interviewing your job, and I think it goes beyond what he got caught doing. Uh, that's his private life, that's his marriage life, whatever he wants to do. But when you become a distraction to the team, which he did by not traveling home, this wasn't on his off time. He changed his schedule. He didn't didn't prioritize the team. You've read out every other football related issue that he also did i don't i think the only reason he's not fired is because it's not the end of the season i think he's a dead man walking and if he's not a dead man walking he should be a dead man walking i don't know why any football team would want this around i don't know what the value that he adds is beyond that i think there's worse head coaches that are doing less damage to their teams than he is by his actions some of it i understand tebow maybe a little bit of drumming up of support but even within that there's been reports of small things he does at training the way he deals with the players the way he manages the players the way he sets up his practices every little thing has come out that is a problem where even other guys in the hot seat a little bit like joe judge in the preseason there was that one incident but at the end of the day we never heard issues other than the slightly old guys who retired anyway because they didn't want to be running laps there hasn't been that same backlash and he hasn't been in the news constantly doing other things left, right and centre constantly to damage the team. And for me, that's just unacceptable as the head coach. It's unacceptable at any coach, but at the head coach, you have the most amount of eyes on you. It's the most important role. I don't know why the owners still have him around. I did read a report today that uh, they were actually had looked at three of their internal guys to take over as interim head coach. I can't remember the guys' names, but they were actually very serious. Bevel was one of them. Bevel was one of them that I seen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So obviously it's coming out. There's a lot of things coming to light, and uh, he probably doesn't make the whole season if I'm putting money on it. No, um, if he makes it to his bye week, I'd be very surprised. But uh, Michael Silver actually uh, treated out a a thread of um, what has happened in the building the last few days. Um, and I'll just run through it very quickly. So he starts off by saying the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told him that he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with um, because the players were uh, particularly put off by the fact that Meyer cancelled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over the videos of him and a young woman uh, getting cozy in, a, in an Ohio bar. Uh, quote, he had, he even cancelled the team meeting. He was too scared, uh, which is what a player said. Uh, instead, Meyer only apologised to position groups individually. He portrayed the women in the video as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice to say, his audience 
were highly skeptical. One player said, we looked uh, at him like, what the fuck? Uh, right when he left, everyone started dying laughing and he knew it. Bottom line said the player, it's bad. I don't know how long he's going to function. Wouldn't so, you love if that was Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> he was the leak in, in the whole organization. Oh, God. I'd say I'd say it's James Robinson after getting some being picked ahead of him. But um, that's only speculation. I'm not actually confirming who that is. But it is a really, really tough situation for the Jaguars. Um, they have a, a really, really bad situation going on there at the moment. Let me just have a quick look here. I'm going to have a quick look at their schedule now just for the next few games and just see um, who they are facing and how bad this could this get before they actually decide to do anything. The Jaguars this coming week are, are they're entertaining the Titans, so a team to have their own problems as well, but that could be a get-right game from the Titans. The following week, they... Uh, they are hosting the Miami Dolphins, another team who are struggling too. Um, that's in week six. And then week seven, I'll finally go ahead to. Um, and that is day. Let's have a look, see here. Where are they? The Seahawks, I believe. Uh... No, they're on their bye that week. Sorry. That's ah. their bye week because the Dolphins game is the London game, I should say. That's it. The Dolphins game week six is the London game, so they're on their bye in week seven, and then they face the Seahawks the week after. Are that. the Jags so, in London? Jags are in London, yeah. Next oh, week, of course. This Urban week Meyer, is. Does Urban Meyer own any clubs in the in London? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone keep an eye on him for sure, and um, see where he is. Um, but that is such a such a crazy story coming out for a t- for a team that cannot get. Uh, any more bad publicity it just keeps stacking up and up and up and we'll see how this story unfolds like i said it could happen before they go over to london that the uh, the game or that they are are done but uh before we wrap things up very quickly um jake i would be remiss if i did not mention the um the New York Giants, their first win of the season. Saquon Barkley is back as well. Two touchdowns, including the walk-off rushing touchdown to win the game. Uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, 116 yards from six targets, or six receptions, I should say. And uh, Danny Dimes getting his record yardage day as well. Everything sort of came together. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I have a lot of things to say, but I'll condense it down as uh, short as possible. Uh, Danny Dimes' career day was last week, which got overtaken by this week's game. So two career weeks in uh, as many. And uh, he just played out of his mind. He had one interception, but that was a halftime Hail Mary. So I'm never going to really count them. You can't. But he seemed to be hitting players on stride and everything. He was doing a lot better. He's stepping up in the pocket, which he never usually did. So I always like to see that from him. A lot of uh, it seemed like his mind was a lot better. But maybe having Saquon back there really, really helped him. But as you said, Saquon's back. He had a lot of these one yard bumping runs. He got tackled, but he showed you how elusive he could be on some of them. He just he broke out a few of them. He had his his I don't know what it was a ten yard run for the touchdown with the arm leaning over. You always like to see it once it breaks the plane. And uh, I don't know if you've seen his catch that uh, it was like a miscommunication on the back end of the Saints um, Saints defense, and he had that catch and run for the touchdown. It was beautiful, yep. beautiful work. Um, and then uh, Kadarius Tony had like a, 
like third and 18, he got 18 yards. He caught it literally three yards ahead of the line of scrimmage and made 15 yards by making probably nine players miss a tackle. So showed why we, we, we took him in the first round at, at last. He only had, I think, four snaps in previous games or some crap like that. Um, and then I don't even want to get into it, but the Taysom Hill scenario, fiasco, whatever you want to call it, we're missing Blake Martinez with an ACL tear. So that obviously shown our depth at linebacker was abysmal. Letting Somebody had him dead to rights and tried to strip the ball without a tackle. If you and you had Washington tackling issues, letting Taysom Hill do that to you is very, very sore. Mm-hmm. I think I think the most thing I'm impressed with the most is Evan Ingram. Five catches on six targets. That's incredible stats for him. He's slowly working his way back <laughs> up did, the depth chart. He did have a nice one. Well, it wasn't a nice one. It, on his one dropped pass, it was uh, it was to take us from third and, and eight or something to a first down, and he obviously drops that pass. But we'll give him a pass on the game. Once he's not the focal, focal point of our offense, <laughs> he seems to do a lot better. Yeah, as long as he's not the one doing jet sweeps. Uh, minus why, three why yards. You, what kind of play was that like? Why did you have him doing jet sweeps? He's but fast, sometimes it works. Apparently. Occasionally it works, fast. right? He, he's pretty fast for a tight end. He's fast, but uh, yeah, occasionally it works. But I don't know. We're like last in reds are like red zone percentage. So obviously, calling these weird plays in the end zone isn't working for us. Was the was the Barkley fumble dodgy? I didn't see no, it. No, it wasn't as such. He, he, I don't know whether it was a little pass, but when he caught the ball, he slipped as he was making a move, and then he kind of got hit, so he was turning, and then the ball came out. When somebody Nothing to be him. worried about then. No, it's his second fumble and 700 touches or something. So Okay, gonna... yeah, we let him away with that. Yeah, 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 I think that's okay. Um, but I think that's the, the right place to uh, wrap this up tonight, guys. Um, so Don't forget, we are back on Thursday with our Thursday Night Football preview. Of course, Seahawks Rams will be speaking to Rich Hammond, uh, Cameron De Silva about the Rams. And then on the Seahawks side, we'll be talking to uh, Michael Sean Duger as well uh, from The Athletics. So it's definitely a show not to miss. Guys, as always, thanks so much for uh, coming on tonight. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I was going to say we could leave the Giants the next week because Saquads is back. Will still be a thing when he runs all over Dallas. Hopefully. <laughs> I hope I just so. Thought... For once, I'm cheering for the Giants. <laughs> I thought I'd give you this because when you do get beaten next week by the Cowboys, I thought maybe at least you had one week of uh, <laughs> praise for the team on the show instead of just going back to the usual. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate no, you know, it. always there for you. That's why that's why we get the McKissick of death, and that's why we get the giant Saquon's <laughs> giant comeback, you know. Uh but look, listen, we'll like I said, we'll we'll uh, talk more about uh their game with the Cowboys next week. Before we go, make sure you are following us on Twitter at Undercenter Pod, Instagram the same at Undercenter Pod. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can too, facebook.com forward slash under center podcast uh, like i said we'll be back thursday with our thursday night football preview also uh friday we'll be back with our bet show we'll try and help you beat the bookies get a bit of money uh for week five of the regular season so until next time stay safe and we'll see you soon